Welcome back to another episode of Northeastern Next, a showcase for the stories, talents, and thoughtful insights of our university's current and future alumni. I'm your host, Caitlin, a current DMR McKim graduate student. Today, I am here with Gina V. Dunn, the author of Paris Possibilities. Gina began her career in HR and then made a few transitions along the way and is now an accomplished author, spending her time between Paris and the Netherlands. Welcome, Gina. Well, hi, Caitlin. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. So let's jump right into it. So I understand you got your undergraduate degree from Northeastern in 2006 in political science, and then sort of stumbled into the realm of HR for several years after that. How did you pivot from political science to being in HR? And what were those experiences like early on in your career? So it was much less of a strong pivot to HR, more of a sort of falling into it, honestly. But basically, I was pivoting out of political science, but I didn't know where I was going. So I kind of blame co-op for this, because co-op is like the thing where you're supposed to go and understand like okay about the field that you're going into. And co-op worked really well. Like I basically understood that I didn't want to go into politics or law, as it turns out, that actually ended up leading me to kind of one day going into my co-op advisor's office and kind of bursting into tears and being like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And like most co-op advisors who have probably seen this a couple of times, it was like, oh, don't worry, it'll be okay. I don't know if he told someone in career services or something, but I would say like a few days later, pretty soon after I get this uh, email for someone in career services and they're like, hey, there's this part-time job available at this private equity firm. Would you be interested in uh, applying for it? So I did. I got it. Didn't know what private equity was, um, but I knew that they had like a fridge full of Ben and Jerry's for some reason. Um, But I think it was like one of their investors. But although I didn't know what most of the associates were doing, because unlike you, I was not a business major, I did take kindly to the HR um, director. And so one day I kind of go into her office and I'm like, I want to work for you. And she's just like, okay, but what do you know about HR? And I didn't really know anything. <laughs> and so that kind of led to me wanting to know more about HR and just hearing about what she did, like I didn't end up working there or with her um, as an HR assistant or anything like that. But after I graduated, those are the sorts of jobs that I looked for. So what was working in HR like being going in there completely fresh, not really knowing anything, at least from your undergraduate degree, which wasn't in the fields? How did you kind of get going? And was it more learning on the job? Or were you taking classes for that? How did that kind of all come together? Uh, So I got really lucky um, when it came to getting my foot into HR. Like most people, I assume, who are clueless about it, um, I started at the very bottom. Um, I was a HR assistant receptionist who was working in the basement level of basically like 
this copy company, not quite a paper company, but it was a a copy company for the most part. And when I got hired, uh, the woman who interviewed me said, this position can be whatever you want it to be. Like you can grow into this position if you want to. And that was music to my ears. Like I wanted to grow. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to be an HR something or like a director or something. Very soon, much soon after she actually left. And then I had a new manager that came in and that was kind of scary. It ended up being that this manager was even more proactive about me growing in an HR role. And she was the sort of person who like she would come in and like something that I'd never worked on before or knew nothing about. She was just say, hey, you know, take a look at this, see if you can help me with this. And I'm like, okay, sure. Of course. Like I said, she was a great manager. She would send me to trainings and things like that. And it got to the point where I wanted to have a promotion. Um, and she gave me an increase within six months and we started talking about a promotion. What ended up happening was, so I go in to, you know, finally get the green light that I'm getting one. She's showing me this org chart and my name isn't on it. I'm like, okay, maybe there's another page. She, you know, she points out the obvious, like, yeah, you may have noticed that that your name isn't on here. And that's because we're actually going to get rid of your position. I go from, oh, I'm getting a promotion to, oh, you're getting laid off. And this, it made sense. It was 2008, but it didn't really feel great at the time because 2008 was the, the housing bubble and there were massive layoffs, but something that I had been waiting for probably the entire time I had been there kind of gone in an instant. Luckily, it wasn't, hey, you have to leave today. But she was like, listen, if you're not out of here in like two months, you're not going to have a job. I had to start looking for a job. And very quickly, I found one at uh, Boston Medical Center. But again, we're still in the layoff period. Well, three months later or four months later, like I was let go again. So yeah, it, it just wasn't, I was like, this isn't working. <laughs> but while I'm there, like I'm also picking up some more skill sets in those three months or four months uh, in compensation and family medical leave and whatnot. So like I'm growing, I'm growing, but I'm not too excited about um, the role. So like everything kind of worked out in a sense. Like I went from shock to relief, luckily that summer I decide, okay, because it happened like around the summer, I was like, you know what, let me take a moment and regroup. Um, is there something else that I've been interested in? And at that point, it was okay, let's see what's going on in this fashion space. And so I ended up taking a course on like a course at like a fashion institute um, on Newberry Street and helping out this stylist. But at some point, I decided, okay, yeah, it's, it's time for me to, okay, I got to get back into a career in a sense, because it wasn't quite working out. The stylist kind of flaked at some point. And I enjoyed the class uh, at the Fashion Institute, I think, on Newberry Street. So I get a call from a recruiter a little bit after like doing a temp job. I get a call from a recruiter and he's like, we have this project coordinator position in HR. We're implementing a new human resources information system and compensation has to get a new salary structure. I was okay with taking it. To some extent, I felt like, wait, but I have like at least two solid years of super growth of experience like this might be too low or something but then I was like you know like I'm fine with not necessarily starting over but starting closer to the bottom and something that well they're working primarily on compensation I don't know anything about it it could be an opportunity to learn and within six months I ended up getting a promotion to a compensation analyst role from there it was sort of off to the races and this is when I'm trying to you know get certified um as a 
senior, um, what is it, a certified, not conversation analyst, but a certified human resources professional. Um, I think it's Sherm that does that. Um, It's when I decide that, okay, no one's understanding exactly what compensation does. Um, I have all these departments that are like, okay, but what do you guys do? Because anytime you go from one piece of technology to another, the culture changes, expectations change, and people needed to know, okay, what are you doing as a compensation analyst? And why are you guys all in the business of what our departments are doing? So created a training and on the system itself, as well as compensation. And that's basically how my role evolved. Uh, in a sense, it's taking the opportunity to learn. I didn't know much, being okay with starting over and also taking initiative where I saw that there was some sort of issue that needed to be resolved. Yeah, wow, that is so interesting. The fact that you kind of thought you thought it was going one way, went a totally different way. Just it sounds like a product of 2008 and the way that things were. I've talked to a few different alums kind of who were impacted around that time period. Um, but you were really able to get right back up and get back into it and get back on, you know, doing HR, what which you were doing. Uh, before that happened, which is awesome. And I know, so you eventually made your way back to Northeastern to get master's degree. Sounds like there was a little bit more pivoting there. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So it wasn't as if, um, well, let's put it this way. I always wanted to get a master's degree. Uh, I'm not sure why exactly. Um, I think over the course of like my career and even before like starting my career, like after um, university, I've always felt that education was important. Like I think about how um, when I was in high school, I was in Latin club um, and it's like the classical Latin. And like we had to do these little quizzes and things with mottos. And one of my favorite mottos, it was not for school, but for life we learn. And so like Northeastern was like the perfect place for that. But it also connected with my whole like mindset that like learning really never stops. You really have to continue either keeping up what's going on in your industry or keeping, well, basically it's the same, but like you have to continue learning to stay at the top of what's going on and to be able to push like what's going on within your organization forward. It was never really, a question of if, but when. Northeastern, of course, yeah, it was a no-brainer as far as the the school that I would go to for my master's degree. And so I ended up going, um, it's funny, I initially applied for um, a master's in project management with a concentration in HR, but they didn't have the project management course that I needed to start with available. So I took a like communications or something and I loved it. Uh, so very quickly, I was like, okay, well, in much the same way that every single job that I've had, there's a new implementation of something which needed project management. The same could be said of the communications around the project and either making or breaking it being able to happen in a timely manner. So that's basically how I ended up at Northeastern and doing corporate communications instead of um, project management. Awesome. And then I know you had a lot of transition around 2014, uh, moved around a little bit. Can you tell me about what all of that was like and then how you ended up between Paris and Netherlands today? So 
how did that happen? Um, well, um, so I was finishing up my master's degree and one of the professors said something that I had started to know to be true um, as my career in HR was progressing. And what she said, and I'm pretty sure like this is verbatim, but what she said was that a lot of people get into HR because they want to help people. And that's completely understandable and completely noble. But as HR professionals, your main role is to protect the organization from frivolous lawsuits. And by frivolous, basically anything that the law clearly states and that can be completely avoided, like that's what you're there to help the organization not break in a sense or not mess up with. Um, and in the end, you usually end up um, helping your employees. To your original question of like transitioning, for me, I had started to realize that I kind of wanted more HR in and of itself. It is an advisory role. And as much as I like being the go-to person when it came to, you know, providing direction and whatnot, there was something that said, hey, now is really the time to at least try or go after something that you're interested in. So I was afraid, of course, because I was deciding, oh yeah, um, I want to go abroad and I want to try my hand at um, fashion communications. And I want, well, I want to do it in Europe, but I didn't know anyone there. And I had all these fears. And at the time I was in this personal development or self-development um, group online, just into that space. And I remember there was this one podcaster or more than podcaster, but uh, Tim Ferriss, I don't know if you know him. Basically there was this idea of fear setting and like all the things that I was afraid were going to happen. It's like, okay, list all of them. Okay, worst case scenario. If those things do happen, what are you going to do? Like, what can you do? And yeah, nine out of 10, like it's either solvable or you'll be dead and then it won't matter. So, um, so yeah, like after that, I was like, okay, like I figured out a bunch of the things that I was afraid of. And my lease was ending. It was definitely hard to leave my apartment. Uh, we managed to have an apartment that the landlord or the real estate agents were forgetting to raise the rent on for three years. So we had a three bedroom apartment at 1080 Beacon Street um, in total for 1500 I had a wow. friend that was living and she was paying like 1200 per room and they were in a three bedroom. It was, it was perfect, but it was time to go. And it was tough. Everyone thought I was crazy. Um, not everyone. Some people were like, yeah, I wish I could too. Like, it's weird how people kind of, you see what others are thinking when one person does something because people are started kind of coming out of the woodwork at, at work. And they were like, yeah, I've been thinking about making a change too. And I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> so pack up, I sell a bunch of things. I put a bunch of things in storage. Um, I give away a bunch of things for one month. I go to Virginia because I'm like, okay, I need a plan for this. And I have a friend who, um, she was actually opening a school in South Korea. I was like, can I rent your apartment for the month while you're away? And she's like, yeah, I was like, I can give you a thousand bucks. And she's like, that barely covers my electricity. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's what I can give you. So, um, but she let me say it was perfectly fine. So while I'm there, I'm trying to figure out this game plan. I'm like, okay, where am I going to go? I need to make connections before I go. I also had this idea that, okay, I'm going to do something in styling 
fashion styling. So what I'll do is there's this school and it's like a week program and like it's a couple of grand or whatever. And it like occurred to me, it was like, why are you going to spend a couple of grand for one week when you could probably just use that money as you're there um, and for other means and staying longer and whatnot and just connecting with other people? Because like you're probably not going to accomplish much in one week for a couple of grand. So I was like, okay, all right. While I'm there, I'm in the middle of the night sending emails and text, not text messages, like emails and LinkedIn messages to people that I don't know. Um, and actually just getting excited if anyone responds, even if they're like, yeah, sorry, can't help you. And I'm like, oh, I got an email from someone in Italy, don't know them, but it's cool. And so after that, I ended up going back to Boston, catching a flight to um, to Milan. And the plan was now, okay, I'm going to follow the fashion weeks. So that meant I had to go to Milan as well as Paris at some point. And for some reason, I had just decided to completely skip London for some reason. During that time, basically, I like serendipity kicked in big time. My Airbnb was like near like, these, um, I guess, like these famous streets in, uh, in Milan that like I honestly didn't know before I had like signed um, for the, or like I guess like signed up for that Airbnb. The host was actually working in fashion and like giving me tips on that um, and people to talk to. And at the same time, it was also me just randomly talking to people on the street. So there are a lot of ways that I needed to push myself. So after that trip and making some connections, I ended up getting a, I, meet, I ended up meeting this uh, this guy from London who was starting a PR agency or said he had a PR agency. At the time, I had no interest in going to London at all. Um, I only spoke English at the time, but for some reason I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to London. They only speak English there. Mind you, this is literally the only language that I could like fluently speak in. Like I knew a little French at this point and I had been studying a little Italian as well, but London probably made the most sense. I, my friend is like, I have an apartment, another friend, um, I have an apartment that you can stay in. And I was like, okay, well, it's only going to be for a day because I'm not really interested. And I go and I love it. Um, it's London's beautiful. Everyone's nice. Um, it, it was, it was great. I ended up doing this internship from there. Like I came back Sadly, the internship only lasted for about a about a month. But at some point, I remember because basically the internship ended after um, London Fashion Week. It was more like the in, the PR agency was just starting up. Like it wasn't a solid PR agency, as I found out. And I'm still friends with this the guy to this day. Um, but I was like, wait a minute, this PR agency isn't quite an agency. This is your apartment. Um, you know, so, and it was like an apartment that you share with a sister. Like, it, yeah, so it was like, okay, but you know what? I hear it's like this, like you have to start from the bottom or something. But at one point I remember thinking to myself, okay, I think it was like February or something. And there's like these supermodels that are walking by and these editors and I'm like, and I have this backstage pass and I'm thinking to myself, it's been six months since you left a job at BU. You're now backstage as an American who knew no one really in, in, in these, in Europe for the most part, you're backstage at London Fashion Week. And it's like, wow, life really does happen fast as it turns out. Sometimes not so fast, but at that point, I also come to realize that Europe, if you want to intern, intern, you need to be in 
an academic program of some kind. And so that led to me applying or coming up with this new plan that, okay, I'm going to look at some schools either in Milan or in Paris that accept American financial aid. And it turns out um, that there is a school in Paris that accepts it. I'm going to apply there. I'm going to go back to the States. And over the summer, I'm going to just work, 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 work to save up even more money. And so that's what I did. And that's how I ended up in Wounds Hockey <laughs> also. Wow. Okay. And then, so I know eventually you write a book, Paris Possibilities. Can you please tell us about what that book is and kind of the process of how you went from, all right, I'm working in fashion. I'm grinding it out here. I had these, you know, six months and now here I am <laughs> at Fashion Week and let me kind of pursue this path. How did you kind of end up on the book trajectory? As far as the book, Paris Possibilities, I knew actually that I wanted to write a book when I left, uh, when I left uh, Boston. And I had this feeling because I was taking like a digital media course at Northeastern during my master's program there. What ended up happening was that we had to do a blog post. And I realized, oh, I really like sharing this. I remembered that course and I remember the blog and the feeling that I had when I had decided to go abroad. So I knew, okay, I'm going to write a book. It came about, well, not came about like basically I wrote it during the pandemic because I also had a feeling that okay people are going to want to travel a lot more um after you've been closed inside it's like okay you think of all the things that like you could have should have would have done and now it's like oh wait I can go now and as we all saw travel definitely picked up big time so I just felt it was like the book for that time or for this time so if someone is going to be traveling to Paris and they want to purchase your book where can they find that? They can either go to amazon.com or they have the option um, of saving, I think it's around like 10% or more um, if they purchase the book directly from parispossibilities.com. All right, parispossibilities.com. So Gina, just one last question for you because this is Northeastern Next. Tell me what is next for you? So there are two big things that are next for me. Uh, one of them uh, is I'm working on my second book um, that talks about my time traveling around. And the other big thing is I am working on a startup. And as much as I can say about it now, it's basically it's helping build a bridge in a sense for people who want to connect with others who are already in Paris or thinking about coming to Paris. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds like that is something you probably could have really, really used when you when you first moved there. Absolutely. Um, I got lucky. Like I'm like a uh, what they say, like an N of one. I got lucky. I was able to make connections. Like it really only takes one, but I think there's a m much more efficient way to go about doing that. I guess scale it up, as they say. Yeah. Well, good luck getting that business off the ground and good luck with the second book that is in progress. Those are both really exciting things. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Well, Gina, thanks for joining our show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. to this episode of Northeastern Next. If this episode brought back some great memories, check out our Husky Starter page online to support current student endeavors or reach out to us via our email at alumni at northeastern.edu or on Instagram at northeastern underscore alumni to point us in the direction of a great story, either from you or a friend. And lastly, 
don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can hear a new episode in your feed every other Wednesday. Remember, once a Husky, always a Husky. See you the week after next. Thank you.